This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Understanding the wild, wild west. This new model of college athletics will likely resolve itself, you know, in the very near term. We're talking, you know, let's say twelve to thirty-six months max, as opposed to years or decades worth of thinking about what that new model is going to look like. That's Dave Sethi, COO of Athletes.org, who's trying to give athletes the power to be part of a consistently changing conversation over what being part of the NCAA means. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Prominent coaches in collegiate athletics are retiring. Others are just loud about the landscape of college sports. Now that NIL has thrown everything you knew about recruitment and quote-unquote compensation into the past. As things change rapidly, Athletes.org want athletes to understand what entitlements they actually have. Our guest this week is Dave Seppi. He's the COO of Athletes.org, which is a platform for collegiate athletes to have, as they put it, a voice at the table for the varying and multitude of changes in the collegiate athletic landscape. Hey, Dave, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me chat with you. And, uh, and yeah, as I was mentioning earlier, yeah, long-time long listener, first-time caller, so to speak. So, <laughs> uh, you know, my family's big fans of yours and have been hearing your voice uh, across a number of different formats for a long time now, so it's great to be connected. Thank you. For those who are wondering why you're saying that to me, I'm also the voice of the Washington Commanders. So <laughs> thank you, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate the kind words. Um, let's talk sure. about athletes.org. Uh, I just kind of generally described it. What is it? Yeah, so call, or athletes.org is the association for college athletes, and Really, what we have built and continue to build is a membership of college athletes to provide any number of resources and support. But really, the three pillars of our organization are rooted in number one, uh, maximizing uh, the resources and support that we can provide freely to college athletes and, and helping them and support them in key decisions they're making as college athletes, whether that's Hey, who do I work with if I'm trying to engage in an NIL deal? And can I get, you know, consultation um, or background checks to make sure the people who I'm either working with or want to work with, um, you know, are above board, free second medical opinions so that you can be sure as an athlete that you, um, you know, that you have any concerns or thoughts or just want peace of mind that your medical uh, futures in the right hands. We offer free second medical opinions, financial literacy, um, support and strategy on social media. You know all, the range of of topics and uh, and issues and opportunities that college athletes are faced with 
we are an association that is designed to advocate for them and support them. Along an advocacy piece, it, we aim to amplify athletes' voices and making sure that they have a seat at the table amidst what is an incredibly momentous and significant inflection point within the collegiate athletics ecosystem. And as I'm sure any fan, consumer, or industry person can attest, uh, you know, there is so much swirl happening in that space. And the reality is that this is a moment where athletes are going to shift from being recipients of the system that they are, that they are in and the ecosystem they are operating in to participants in shaping and creating the system that they will be in and that future generations of college athletes will be participating in. And so, we are that vehicle. We are that association to amplify their voice and make sure they are represented and have a, their rightful seat at the table. And then thirdly, uh, we aim to maximize their income opportunities and uh, being able to make sure that, you know, this period of time, however long they spend within the collegiate athletics ecosystem, they are able to take advantage of the multitude of income opportunities they have available to them. Some near term, right, with NIL and brand deals and the like, group licensing, which we think is a, is a massive opportunity in the collegiate athletics landscape. And then even ultimately things like revenue sharing through collective bargaining, um, which as you probably heard, a lot of coaches and administrators have been speaking up a lot about the past few months in terms of what that new model looks like. So we aim to amplify their voice and help them organize so that their voice is rightfully represented as well as generating those kinds of opportunities on their behalf and really using their collegiate experience as a launching pad as opposed to the peak of what they're able to do in their lives, you know, both on and off the field. All right. So obviously there's a lot there. Um, some of the issues that you're talking about obviously predate NIL. So why did this start? Did this start because of the changing landscape or was this something that predated NIL with a number of the issues that didn't involve uh, brand sponsorship and the like. So, you know, I'll say it's a bit of a history lesson, but you know, July first of twenty twenty one is when when things changed really forever in the landscape of collegiate athletics. Um, you know, the NCAA's hand was I don't say slightly forced, but you know, when you had states that were enacting legislation to essentially change some of the rules within um, the areas that they govern the NCAA imposed an interim policy around NIL. And really the spirit of that was, you know, act, um, unlock opportunities for you to work with, you know, your local businesses within the community you play in or work with national brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was truly what it said it was, which was an interim uh, step in policy in a direction. But the the issues that we're talking about that, um, that exists within college athletics have been brewing for a very long time and they're rooted in concepts like amateurism, right? They're rooted in, um, you know, in athletes potentially not receiving their fair share for the revenue they are generating on behalf of the, the colleges that they play for and the governing bodies within that ecosystem. And so there, there's been a lot that's brewing and you've seen the forcing functions being either states taking some of this into their own hands, as well as athletes filing lawsuits um, and having representation in court to address some of the, frankly, outdated policies um, that the NCAA has had 
and uh, and that you know adversely impacted their experience and their ability to profit off of their name, image, and likeness as comprehensively um, as they as they theoretically should. And so there's been you know obviously decades of operating in a system that um, disabled athletes from doing the very things that they are starting to do now. And what we're seeing is this um, boiling point, let's call it, where a lot of these issues have come to the forefront and they are all happening simultaneously, which is why if you ask the average administrator, the average consumer, the average you know, sports industry um, participant, you know, this new model of college athletics will likely resolve itself you know, in the very near term. We're talking you know, let's say 12 to 36 months max, as opposed to years or decades worth of thinking about what that new model is going to look like. What do you mean resolve itself when you say that? Well, it can resolve itself in a number of ways, right? I mean, you have Charlie Baker, the head of the NCAA, who has submitted a formal proposal for what that new system could look like. Um, it's relying on federal legislation to support what he wants to do and acknowledging that college athletes are not employees. Uh, and proposing something that um, he has, you know, outwardly said will require uh, Congress to support what he wants to do. You have a number of cases that are happening in various parts of the country right now that might dictate what a new model potentially looks like. The NLRB representing athletes in the state of California in a case that in theory could define athletes um, and certain athletes as employees. Um, so those are conversations that you know, I would say the ecosystem of college athletics is now having to react to versus, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, when in theory we could have had conversations proactively around what a new model has looked like. All of this is starting to come to a head as a result of ongoing litigation um, and as a result of all the conversations that are even happening on the Hill. So uh, let me ask you a question um, that, that I've been thinking about for a while amid a change in landscape here. And it goes back to this idea of amateurism and there's a finite amount of time that you could represent a school um, in this new world. What do you believe the word eligibility means anymore? Like what would stop if these rules change players from staying in school for any length of time, if it was beneficial for them to do so? You know, I, I don't know if I have a, a full perspective on, on that question other than to say as a fan, and I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of other fans, that there is something to the notion that athletes who are in, in the collegiate space having an affiliation, a formal affiliation of which, you know, historically has been them being actual students at said universities, is part of the fabric that makes college athletics what it is. Does that mean that we need a uh, do that we need policies and definitions that define these athletes as amateurs? I don't think that's the case, but there is something to be said for eligibility being tied to these athletes being enrolled at the universities uh, who they are playing for. Now, what that looks like. I would say is anybody's guess. There, are, there's a lot that needs to be figured out in terms of, in terms of what eligibility looks like, in terms of what transfer rules look like. But what you're seeing before our very eyes is that the very underpinnings of the system that exists today are being challenged virtually every single day. And look no further than what happened yesterday with 
the state of Tennessee and in Virginia filing a lawsuit against the NCAA, basically saying that the rules they've created are unenforceable. And so uh, I, I know people have thrown the terms around, you know, the wild, wild west or a race to the bottom. And I think there's some degree of truth in some of those statements. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think there is something special about the relationship between an athlete, a college, and a fan that can be preserved while also ensuring that athletes receive their fair share for the revenue they're generating, that athletes feel empowered to to participate in a new system that needs to be, um, that there is something to be said for a college athlete gaining an education while they are at the university of which they are either employed or are representing, um, you know, depending on, on the definition of what a college athlete even is in the future. So a lot to be figured out, but right now it's, Things are running rampant, which is why essentially you've got coaches uh, like the head coach at Boston College who basically said he's leaving to take a D.C. job at, at the Packers in part because of the fact that these rules are really not rules and that this has become untenable to try and be a 365-day recruiter and manage NIL and yeah and the abstractness of sorts of NIL while trying to be a really good head coach, um, which seems like a gargantuan and it's not impossible to do this. Um, let me ask you about, you brought up revenue sharing. Um, can you take me through how you all are thinking about revenue sharing, how realistic that would be, and then how you think about the non-revenue generation college campuses in terms of the idea of revenue sharing with athletes? Yeah, well, the beauty of our association is that while we can have perspectives on all of those topics, ultimately speaking, we are advocates on behalf of our association and the athletes who are in this, in this association. And so the, 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 the model that we have within our association is actually broken down by chapter. So we'll have, you know, by conference, so the ACC or the Big East, and then we will have individual sports within those conferences such as men's basketball, women's basketball, you know, Olympic sports, et cetera. And the, and the reason for that structure is because, as I'm sure you're well aware, the opportunities and challenges and really questions or issues that need to be resolved don't are, are not uniform to every single college athlete's experience. The, the experience that the starting quarterback in Notre Dame has probably looks slightly different than the coxswain at the University of Wisconsin and their rowing team. And so we need to be sensitive to not only uh, who we are working with and representing, but what those individuals and those groups actually care about. And so in terms of revenue sharing, in terms of, you know, those opportunities, I don't know if, if those things will apply uniformly across the board, which is why we need to make sure that we support athletes and organizing in the way that we need to and sharing and educating them on the issues that are at hand. Because the reality is that the system that's going to be created over the next you know, couple of years, let's say, is likely going to be a system that exists for the next number of decades. So everybody has an incentive to get this right and get it right for the varying college athletes and the experiences they're having on these college campuses. And so, um, yeah, as it pertains to revenue sharing, if you just listen to some of the ADs, across the country who have been more outspoken about this topic and basically saying that revenue sharing for certain sets of college athletes is ultimately a foregone conclusion. How do we actually take the theoretical of, well, more and more 
uh, people in the ecosystem think these are things that are inevitabilities. Let's actually sit down, not across from each other at the same table. Let's sit around the table and present the perspectives of everybody who needs to be at that table to make sure we get that system right. Future Sport is a presentation of Empire Media, a B2B and B2C podcast and digital company dedicated to making your business or brand be heard, internal or external content creation that will have a lasting impact on your strategy, consulting, creation, and production, all to help you effectively communicate your message in any marketplace. Learn more at empiremedia.com, A-M-P-I-R-E media.com. Let's continue our conversation with Dave Sethi, who's the COO of Athletes.org. Dave, uh, you had kind of mentioned your background a little bit. Um, you've been in a lot of the content creation space with Meta and YouTube, Whistle Sports as well. Um, can you kind of take me through your background and, and how that's shaping your work here with Athletes.org? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's for any of your listeners um, who I'm sure you know, span the spectrum of, of other industry professionals as well as maybe aspiring industry professionals. I sort of got into sports through the side door uh, because I was in a sales and consulting role at Google out of college and then moved over to YouTube circa 2011 to focus on content partnerships uh, and within the sports vertical specifically. And so really working with athletes, teams, leagues, media companies around their digital and social strategy. And you know, again, it, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but in the social and digital sphere, the past decade has gone, we've gone through multiple generations, so to speak. And so as, as we have seen over the past decade plus, there has been this disintermediation between athletes and fans and athletes being able to shape, if not control, their own narrative by going direct to their consumer. And that really started, you know, I would say late 2000s, early 2010s with the rise of distributed media platforms like the YouTube, uh, Facebook, you know, eventually platforms like Snap, you know, Twitter, et cetera, where you could essentially go direct to your fans and you could broadcast, communicate, build community, build your own community as opposed to, uh, you know, my, my childhood, which was, wait for the uh, the post-game interview press conference or the sideline interview, you know, at halftime or after a game. And that world has changed uh, changed dramatically. You know, I think about on a personal level being an Orioles fan, um, I don't say fortunately, unfortunately, but I, you know, as a Manny Machado fan, uh, watching him go live on Instagram in the locker, in the Dodgers locker room after they win the, uh, you know, one of the series that, they won when he was a Dodger very briefly, you know, he was just holding up his phone and broadcasting or following him on social media. And that, you know, that's a real departure from where we were really not even a decade ago. And so my, my career has been spent in enabling and empowering those types of organizations and individuals within sports to choose their own adventure, so to speak, to build community on these platforms, to monetize their communities. And what we've seen over the past even, you know, two to three years is the supercharging of opportunities and technology to help individuals do that even more effectively. Um, you know, companies like Grandstand that are, um, that are helping athletes take the communities they've built on platforms like Instagram or Facebook and bring them into an experience that can help them monetize 
their community even more effectively and provide their community even more value than what you theoretically can just on social media platforms. So my, my career has been spent within this creator economy. It's been spent within this, uh, this ecosystem of sports and, you know, really that landscape of, again, athletes, media, leagues, teams, et cetera, um, you know, all of whom are building community across distributed media. And that really presents a really interesting opportunity. And frankly, within the, the collegiate athletic space and now the high school athletic space, with NIL, you know, you now really have an opportunity to maximize the window of time you, you have as an athlete um, and take that, you know, take that foundation you're building well beyond your playing career, however, you know, long or brief that may be. Okay, last thing. Um, so as athletes join platforms like yours and they enter, obviously, a, a very new space um, in collegiate athletics, what are the questions athletes should be asking of themselves, of institutions, of people like yourself as they head into this marketplace? Yeah, well, they've, what's interesting is we have decades, you know, with a decades worth of history in college athletics, specifically where athletes have not been incentivized to ask uh, to ask the question of themselves of what do they think they they need or even deserve as athletes participating in that landscape. And so this is a real inflection point and opportunity for athletes to ask, what are the things that are going to enhance their experience as an athlete on the field, as a student off the field, and and even as an individual participating in this new era of NI off the field as well. And so it's almost a, a question of, you know, you not knowing what you don't know. And that's for us is a responsibility at athletes.org to educate them on the questions that they can be asking and they can be as uh, as simple as, hey, there is a person I want to do business with. How do I vet that person and make sure that they are the right person to represent me, the right brand that I should be doing business with? I have a contract that I'm looking at. Can I get free legal consultation to make sure that I'm not signing more rights away than I ever expected and, and just, just Google you know, the Jane Rashada story and any number of athletes who have been preyed upon within within an ecosystem um, where athletes haven't necessarily been able to access information and support that um, would help them make more effective decisions. Things you've asked me questions around, well, I'm presented with a lot. Is there a way for me to feel like I have somebody in my corner and if that organization or person is in my corner, what are the resources and support that they can they can be providing me? I would certainly look, if I was a college athlete, I would look to my administration to ask them about, especially in the, the ever-shifting dynamic of conference realignment, of, of schedule constraints and challenges, what are the ways that I can be maximizing the resources these universities are providing me um, to be a more effective student? to be a more effective athlete, et cetera. I think those are all really pertinent questions, but the reality is the voices of those athletes have been, I don't say suppressed, they just, they they have accepted the system that they have been involved in for an extremely long time. And what you're seeing, especially over the past, you know, five years, are that athletes are not starting to ask those questions. And they should be asking those questions because frankly, all of us who work with college athletes who support college athletes, who who benefit from working with college athletes, we need to have good answers to those questions, frankly. 
Dave Sethi is the COO of athletes.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Brent, thank you again. Really appreciate it. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.